This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime in our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m. or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m. or online anytime at faithlivingchurch.com. Hey, it's good to have you guys here this morning and all you guys who are watching us online. Thank you for joining us. It is wonderful when you can look out here and you preach and there's actually people in the seats because we did it for a few months and there was, well, there was people, there was Susan, you know, so she, she uh, got saved several times, you know, through those months there. Uh, but I, I appreciate uh, Dr. Green and Janice uh, sharing their testimony. You know what the Bible says? It says we overcome, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. There is phenomenal power when we share our testimony, what God's been doing in our life. It empowers us in ways that you could never imagine otherwise. It genuinely does. Well, I'd like to continue on this theme we've been talking about for a couple of weeks already. I just called it bored or restored. You know, restored. God specializes in restoration of all the areas of your life he can restore. Body, soul, and spirit. Relation. He specializes in restoration. Listen to what the scripture says in Psalms chapter 34, verse 17. It says, the Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. He hears his people when they call to him for help. You know why? Because he loves you. He hears his people when they call. Now, you know, and this is not being critical of my wife in any way, but over the years, since we got married and we have kids, I hear, you know, and, and she don't snore real, real loud. I probably drowned her out, you know. But when, when my kids would make a bump against a turnover in the wall and all, I hear it, and I get up and I check on them, you know. And that's pretty cool, but I'm going to tell you something. The Bible says the Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. He hears everything. Almighty God hears you. And when you call upon him for help, he is there to help you and to assist you. It goes on to say he rescues. That's talking about he reclaims, he, he salvages, he sets free, he saves them from all their troubles. Now, what percentage is all? It says he rescues them from 100% of their troubles. Does that sound like a pretty good deal? Phenomenal. Let me just read the whole thing again. The Lord hears his people when they call to him for help, and he rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord is close. To the broken. He's close. He rescues. Says the Lord, he is close to the brokenhearted. You know anybody who's had a broken heart? We all have at some point in time. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he rescues or he restores those whose spirits are crushed. You understand crushed, right? Has your spirit ever been crushed? Hmm. 
somebody else stay there. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. Now, I wonder if you've ever been to a junkyard. Like down south, we have junkyards, you know. Up here, I'm not quite sure it's the same because I've gone looking for a part for a car and they've already gone now there in the back where all the automobiles are in nice, neat lines and parts have taken off and they've been put on a shelf and then they sell them to you. But down south, my dad gave me an old 51 Ford pickup truck and my goal was to restore it. And as a teenager, I wandered through a lot of junkyards and you would find cars in there turned every which way or on their side or up and there's weeds growing through them. Some cars have been there so long as trees growing up through them. And you go out there with your own tools and you take the parts off and then you take it back and you pay for it and then you go and put it on your vehicle, you know? So I wandered around through a lot of uh, junkyards salvaging parts for this old truck that I was working on. Maybe one day I'll find an old picture of that truck and show it to you. But I spent a lot of time in junkyards, you know, salvaging these parts. Uh, and another thing, have you ever been part of or seen or been to what is referred to as a demolition derby? Couple of, just raise your hand if you're, okay, all right. Demolition derby, and that's, I've, I've been to some real ones, you know, and watched them and things like that. And that's where they got all these trucks and all these cars and they're pretty banged up already and they drive around and they just wreck and crash and bang into each other to destroy the other one, you know, to demolish the other vehicle, you know, and then you find one that's still standing at the very end. Now, Satan tries to pit us against each other the exact same way. He really does. So we'll try to destroy one another by the things that we say, the things that we do, things that we don't say when we should have said, you know. Um, but I'll tell you something. That's not God's way. Listen to what it says here. John 10, 10 says the thief, and we know that's the devil. His purpose is to steal and kill and what? Destroy. The devil does his best to keep us in a demolition derby where our words and our actions are set to destroy other people. You know, think about that. There's a lot of that kind of stuff goes on in the political arena, I think, from time to time. But Jesus goes on to say, my purpose is to give them a rich and a satisfying life. The devil's there to get you involved in a demolition derby, but Jesus says, I, my purpose is to give them a rich and a satisfying life even during a coronavirus pandemic. You can still access this rich and satisfying life even now. He is not limited by what's going on in the world. He comes to give us a, a rich and a satisfying life. Listen to what it says here in Luke chapter 4. Verse 14, and it says, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. Same Spirit, same Holy Spirit that he pours out upon us and wants to fill us 
with, that, he, that this Holy Spirit will overflow through us. It says, and Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out a fame of him, Jesus, through all the region round about, everywhere. They heard about Jesus, heard about what he was doing, what he was all about. And he came to give a rich and a satisfying life. No matter what was going on with the Roman army at the time. Didn't matter. And it goes on to say in verse 15. And he taught in their synagogues. Being glorified of all. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as the custom was. He went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And he stood up for to read. Because they would allow people who could read. That they had scrolls. Now many of the translations will say books. But they had scrolls and they let, you know, someone who could read come in there and they would read a passage. And then the, the uh, you know, rabbi, the minister would get up and he would share what he was going to share about that. And it says in and, and verse 16, and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. He stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him a book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, the scroll, he found the place where it was written. Now, this is in the scroll. This was written. This was prophesied before Jesus was ever born. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel. And what does gospel mean? Good news. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. He is reading this. It was prophesied hundreds and hundreds of years before he was born. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel, the good news to the fourth. And not just physically poor, but those who are spiritually poor, you know. And, and you know what? I mean, here we see those who have been crushed. But you know something? I don't know if I'm going to get wet doing this or not. You know what? God works in those who've been crushed and they can still be filled up. Whoops. Have you ever had crushing experiences in your own life? Have you discovered that God can still work miracles and he can restore your life to usefulness? He does that. He specializes in doing that. And it says here, let me see, where was I at anyhow? What verse was I on? 15? 18. Just seeing if you was paying attention. Seeing if I was paying attention. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel, the good news to the poor. And he has sent me. Now, you know, there was an old song years ago. I don't know all the words, but it went like this. It goes, how can you heal a broken heart? How can a loser ever win? You ever heard a song 
had some of those lyrics in there? Well, I'll answer that question right now. He says here in verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor and he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to restore the brokenhearted. How can you heal a broken heart? Only Jesus can. He is the one who created you and he can restore a broken heart. That's what he specializes in doing. And you think about this, you know, mankind in the darkness running toward the light. Have you seen you go outside at night, you turn on a light and all the different bugs that are coming toward it, you know? And, and, and we are so attracted to Jesus because of the darkness in which we have lived. And the hopeless are drawn to the hope. Jesus is a living hope because he can impart hope unto us. And like Men and women, boys and girls, if you're lost in a desert, you're drawn. You just can't wait till you can get to an oasis where there's water, there's pools, some streams, there's fruit trees, you know, and, and things to eat. And, and we're attracted and that's just, just like us. We're just empty and, and crushed and, and broken and we're attracted like a bug to the light, you know. There's another old song I'd like to just read you the, the words to. And it's just called God Shaped Whole. And it says, every point of view has another angle. And every angle has its merit. But it all comes down to faith. That's the way I see it. You can say that love is not divine. And you can say that life is not eternal. All we have is now, but I don't believe it. The chorus says, there's a God-shaped hole in all of us. And the rest of the soul is searching. There's a God-shaped hole in all of us. And it's a void only he can fill. Does the world seem gray with empty longing, wearing every shade of cynical and do you ever feel that there is something missing? Of course, there's a God-shaped hole in all of us. There and the restless soul is searching. There's a God-shaped hole in all of us. And it's a void only he can fill. Only he can fill. Only he can fill. And that is absolutely the truth. There's a God-shaped hole in all of us. And... Until we welcome him into our life, we've got a broken heart and, and, and it needs a restoration. It, it needs, as Dr. Green said, it needs to be mended. And Jesus specializes in that. Well, let me read you verse 18 once again. And it says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. And he has sent me. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted and to preach deliverance to the captives. And it's sin that traps us and, and captures us, you know, puts us into bondage. And Jesus is the one who comes to set you and me free. And he says to preach deliverance to the captives and the recovering of sight to the blind, physical blindness. He has healed that. But spiritual blindness, he can heal that 
as well. And that's what he specializes, that spiritual sight. And he goes on to say, and to set at liberty, to set free them that are bruised, who are hurt and aching and, and battered and beating, beaten up. Be, and why would he come and do such wonderful things for us? He loves us. His whole motivation. And it's not that God loves. No, God is love. It's not that God is such and such and such and such and he has the capacity to love. No, he is. That's the definition of God. He is love. Picking up in verse 19, it says, and he came uh, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And, and let me just remind you this, and this is 100% true. God is not mad at you. you go, oh, you don't know what I did. Jesus went to the cross to forgive us all. And God is not mad at you. He only wants to forgive us. If we'll believe it and we'll receive it, that's what he wants. For each and every one of us. So verse 19 says, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book or rolled up the scroll. And he gave it to them. He gave it again to the minister. And then he sat down. So he didn't expound upon it. All he did is he read that verse out of the scroll. And then he sat down in the congregation, gave the scroll back to the minister. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him, Jesus. And he began to say unto them, this day, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. Wow. A scripture that they had probably read many times. And he says, today, the scripture I read that was written thousands of years ago, it is fulfilled right now. I am the fulfillment of that. I have come to do all that that scripture says. Wow, you know. Jesus came from heaven to earth to restore us into a right relationship with Almighty God the Father. Imagine it like this. Jesus picking through the junkyard of life. Like I used to be picking through the junkyards looking for parts that I could use on a 51 Ford pickup truck. But Jesus is picking through the junkyard of life and finding broken men and broken women and, and broken boys and broken girls and restoring them to usefulness. That's his specialty. He's in the restoration of human lives business. That's what Jesus does. And there is no area in your life that he can't restore. He's in the restoration business. Now, if, if you had an old guitar, maybe if you worked on, which I did once, an old car or an old truck or a piece of furniture, and that old thing that's been used and abused, if it could talk, I believe it would say, I'm happiest doing what I was created to do. Do you think a beautiful car is happy just sitting in a lawn as an ornament? Do you think a, a guitar is happiest when it's in a museum for people to look at but never to be played? No. I'm talking about those things that have been restored. And you and I don't want to just be a showpiece, you know. We want to be restored to usefulness. But Jesus, he strips away the old rotten gunk from our life first, and then he restores us to usefulness. This is what it says here in 1 John 1, 9. It says, but if we confess our sins to him, 
to Almighty God the Father, if we confess our sins to Him, He is faithful. You understand faithful? There's an old geyser. Let's see, where's that thing at? Yellowstone National Park? There's a geyser out there, and they call it Old Faithful. You know why they call it Old Faithful? Because it erupts. I think it's about every minute. And that might be a minute or so or a few seconds off every time, but it's so consistent, and you can count on it. They call that old geyser, it just shoots up and all. About every minute or so, they call it Old Faithful. I'm going to tell you something. God is more faithful than a geyser. All that geyser can do is to be faithful, just blow off some steam. But I can tell you, God is faithful to the thousands of promises that he has given unto you and me. And it says, but if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. God is not mad at you. He's not trying to get even with you because something you did or you disobeyed. God is in the business of restoration to forgive and to cleanse and to forgive us of our sins and to do what? Cleanse us. Let me demonstrate that just a moment. I might have got too much. Now this stuff right here, this will kill a germ. I don't have to take a shower tonight now, you know? Oh, thank you, dear. Yeah. All right. Oh, oh yeah. Now, that'll kill the coronavirus germ, but it will not get rid of our sin. The scripture is very clear. If we, con- if, if, if we confess our sins to him, not try to hide, if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and he's just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from, what's that next word? And what percentage is that? He will cleanse us from all wickedness. He cleanses us from all. Now this, this, you know, cleanser over here can't do everything, but Jesus can do everything. And he cleanses us from all of our sins. There is nothing that you've done in your past that Jesus will not forgive you for. He specializes in restoration. I'm telling you, that's just what he does. And he does a whole lot better job at sanitizing our spirit and our whole life from sin than that does at, at killing the germs that's in this you know, world right now. In the book of Luke, chapter 19, verse 10, we reread this every once in a while, but it's important for us to understand why Jesus came. And it says, and I, the son of man, have come to seek. You understand seek? You understand it? Now, we don't have time, but we would play hide-and-seek here for a little bit if we could. But you got, you seek, you got to look. And I, the Son of Man, have come to seek and to save. That's talking about to rescue and to restore those like him who are lost. The broken and the, the hopeless. Jesus specializes in restoration. And he loves his work 
because he loves us. He specializes in that, you know. And uh, Dr. Green and his wife Janice, their marriage. We saw the video just a while ago. He loved them. That's why he restored their marriage. And there is no area of your life that he will not restore because he's crazy about you and he loves you. Why? Because people matter to Jesus. And if people matter to Jesus, then people should matter to us. When we've been forgiven from, by, by the Lord Jesus Christ, people should matter to us. And we should care about people because they matter to Jesus. Restoration to usefulness. This is a costly thing. You know, I mean, we've, we've been in here 40 years now in this old building, and we've worked at restoring the insides and all. And uh, a lot of the rooms have been redone and fixed up this, and electricity is working in the furnace and the air conditioning and all. We've got some issues outside we're, we're looking into about restoring the old foundation and restoring some of the the lumber outside where the water's getting through it and all. But do you know that restoration, you know it's costly? It's costly. Whether you're restoring a car or a guitar or an old building, it's costly. But not near as costly as the restoration of lives and marriages. Not near as costly because that cost Jesus his lifeblood. He gave his life to restore you and me to right relationship with the almighty God. That's just the way it is. It says here in Mark chapter 8, verse 22, it says, when they arrived at Bethsaida, some people brought a blind man to Jesus and they begged him to touch. They begged him, Jesus, to touch the man and heal him, to, to restore his sight. They'd heard rumors. And Jesus took the blind man by the hand and he led him out of the village. I think he just wanted to get away from the crowd. You know? So he took the man and he led him out of the village, then spitting on the man's eyes, and that's not your normal prescription for eye drops. You understand that? And that's probably why he took it. Because people, he spit in that man's face? Let me ask you something. If you were blind... Would you mind if Jesus spit in your eyes if it would bring healing? Just spit away. Anyhow, we see this has happened. It says, then spitting on the man's eyes, he laid hands on him, and then he asked. And he asked his question for your benefit and my benefit. Not really for his own or for the guy who he is who is blind there. But he said, can you see anything now? Question mark. Nowhere else have I heard Jesus tell a demon to come out or heal somebody. He says, well, do you feel better now? Are those bad things gone? Nowhere did I see him ask that question again. Just here. And he says, can you see anything now? And the man looked around. Yes, he said, I see people, but but I can't see them very clearly. They, they, They look like trees walking around. And see, Jesus was teaching you and me to persevere. He was teaching us how to be patient. Now, Susan, I, uh, along with uh, Miracle and Kyle, we have a, a garden this year. We got all kinds of stuff planted in it. And we've been eating stuff out of the garden. It's been awesome. 
Oh, man, we, we ate lettuce and we had kale. We got carrots. We got green beans and, and tomatoes. And we've got, we haven't harvested the corn or the potatoes yet, but all kinds of good, healthy stuff. We've been harvesting it. But does anybody know if you're going to harvest anything out of a garden, you got to have patience? You don't put it in the ground today, like going to the grocery store, and get it tomorrow. You know that, right? And Jesus was teaching us something about perseverance and patience. Because he prayed for the guy twice. Verse 25, and then Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes. What's the next word? Again. See, this was a process. And we live in a process of faith, trusting God to do it step by step by step. And it says here, then Jesus placed his hand on the man's eyes again, and his eyes were opened, and his sight was, what's that word? Completely restored. Now, Susan has had two detached retinas, and she's had a surgical procedure done on both of her eyes. And through that whole process, and, and the giving of birth in the midst of some of all this stuff, and having to look down for two weeks in a row to keep the gel that was taken out of her eyeballs from giving her cataract. Anyhow, she ended up with cataracts as well, and so she's had these surgical procedures, these detached retinas, and she's had her eyeballs kind of pulled out and fixed and put back in, you know? Am I telling the truth? Yeah, I'm telling the truth. just want to make sure I didn't dream that or something. That was just for the detached retinas. No, no, she's not trying to... No. Well, her dad went blind in an eye because he had a detached retina and didn't do nothing about it. So we understood the, the concept. But what I, you got to remind me to stay behind the line. Okay, thank you. But I'm telling you, then when they worked on her cataracts and they took them out and they... Because her, her sight was so bad, when we got married, her glasses were like the bottom of Coke bottles. You know what I'm saying? Real thick, you know? But when she got through with the cataract surgery, they just put a blank lens in to try to figure out what they could do to increase her ability to see without glasses. She need not. Never, never ever had anything else put in, just a piece of glass in there because that's what they wanted to put in there to start off with. What I'm trying to say, she's been completely healed for 10 or 11 years. And that's phenomenal but we had to go through the surgical processes and all. But Jesus, after the second time, first he spit on the guy's eyes, put his hands on him. He said, hey, can you see? Well, a little fuzzy right now. And he put his hands on him again. It was a process. And he's teaching us this. And then it says, and his eyes were open, and he, his sight was completely restored, and he could see. What's it say? What percentage is everything? He could see 100% clearly everything. He had clear sight. And I'm telling you, sometimes the sight that we need is not so much physical as it is on a spiritual level. What God is doing for us. See, to Jesus, restoring lives matters. To Jesus, souls matter. All souls, all human lives matter. Now, if you're wondering 
after these things that we have read so far and the testimonies that we've already heard this morning, if you're wondering, is Jesus willing to restore some areas of my life, your life? You think Jesus, is he willing to restore some areas of my life? I'm going to tell you something, 100% guaranteed the truth. He's willing. He is willing. Are we willing to believe him? Are we willing to receive what he has in store for us? It says in the book of Luke chapter 5 verse 12, in one of the villages, Jesus met a man with, what's that word? An advanced case of leprosy. You understand, advanced case don't mean he's got a little leprosy on the end of his finger there, you know. But an advanced case of leprosy is a lot of his little digits are gone. Pieces of his ears are gone. His nose is gone. Chunks of his mouth are gone. This guy had an advanced case of leprosy. And I don't know if you understood this or not, but when you study in the Bible or even in just history, lepers were considered and uh, defined as untouchable. You can't touch them because you're very likely to get leprosy from them and then you have to be separated from your loved ones for the rest of your life. So it says in one of the villages, Jesus met a man with an advanced case of leprosy and when the man saw Jesus, he bowed his face to the ground. Probably a shame for Jesus even to see the, the shape of his face, how bad it was. He bowed his face to the ground, begging to be healed. Lord, he said, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Now, this man believed. He said, I know you can heal. I'm just not sure if you're willing or not. And he said, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. You can restore me so I can go back to my family. And Jesus reached out and did what? He touched a man who was declared by the whole nation as an untouchable. You don't touch people like that. He reached out and he touched him. And it says here, I am willing, he said. And I'm going to tell you something. It wasn't just to that man with an advanced case of leprosy, but he is speaking to you. As he was speaking to Dr. Green, his wife Janice, I'm willing to heal and restore your marriage. It's phenomenal. Precious restoration. But he is willing to restore areas of your life. That's what he specializes in. That's what he does. It's fantastic. He says, I'm willing, he said, be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared because Jesus restored him. And that's his business. That's what he does. Jesus is willing to restore you. In the areas of your life, when you come to him and you ask him, and you'll see he's always willing to say, I am willing. You know he can do it. You know he can restore whatever it is that you have need of. He can restore that. We just need to believe in and receive it. In the book of Matthew, chapter 12, verse 9, it says, Then Jesus went over to their synagogue. This is the Pharisees' synagogue he's talking about right here. And, and where he noticed a man with a deformed hand. 
And the Pharisees asked Jesus, does the law permit a person to work by healing on the Sabbath? And the Pharisees, they were hoping he would say yes so they could bring charges against him. You know, uh, it's like a lot of our political baloney in our day today. They're looking for anything they can bring a charge and accuse you of and this, that, and another. And it's like a demolition derby just trying to destroy one another. That's what we see a lot in our political world right now. We need to pray for our leaders of our land right now and for unity and for harmony. And it says, and he, Jesus answered, if you, and, and he, he makes this statement. He says, well, if you had sheep that fell into a well on the Sabbath, wouldn't you work to pull it out, restore it back to the flock? And, and they all would have. And they're hoping to catch him healing a man who's got this deformed hand. And Jesus said, well, of course you would. How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Yes, the law permits a person to do good on the Sabbath. And then he said to the man, hold out your hand. And the man obeyed. So the man, he, he held out his, his hand. And it was restored just like the other one. Jesus restored that hand that had been deformed. And, and it was just like the other one. And he did it right in front of all the naysayers and the people who were looking for a reason to speak against him and charge him for this and that and another. They didn't give a hoot about the man. They were looking for a reason to charge Jesus. And then Jesus said to the man, hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand and it was restored just like the other. See, God's in the restoration business. And some people don't like it. Some people are not going to like certain things that you might do that's good and noble. And you might help orphans or you might help the brokenhearted or you might help in a lot of different, but some people are just not going to like it. That's just the way this world we live in. And then it says in verse 14, and then the Pharisees called a meeting to plot how to kill Jesus. They was going to put Jesus in a demolition derby because he had the audacity on the Sabbath to heal a man who had a deformed hand and he healed him. And he tells him, if you had a sheep that fell in a well, wouldn't you? And yeah, they would have got the sheep out. But no, you don't heal people. See, Jesus is a restorer. And a high price he pays for restoration. These people wanted to kill him. So, listen to this, Psalms 119, verse 93, just a powerful verse. It says, I will never forget, the psalmist, I will never forget your commandments. I will never forget your commandments. For you have used them, your commandments, to restore my joy and health. You have used your commandments to restore my joy and the joy of the Lord is our strength. So when you get your joy back, you get the strength of almighty God. And he says, and health. Oh, wow. I will never forget your commandments for you have used them to restore my joy and health. 
Whenever the Ethiopian emperor, Mene Leek II, was ill, this is in history, he'd eat a few pages from the Bible. Anytime he got sick, he'd eat a few pages out of the Bible. He believed it would restore his health. He died in 1913 after eating the entire book of 2 Kings. I don't recommend following that concept. But let me give you a verse and bring the truth into balance. Jeremiah 15, 16, it says, Your words, O God, your words were found, and I ate them. This was a spiritual statement he was talking about. You don't put a little salt and pepper on them and just take a page and just you know, suck that rascal down. That's not what he's talking about because it don't do anything for your faith. You didn't see what it had to say. You're just putting it in the tummy and it's going to go out with the waste. He says, your words were found and I ate them and your word was to me the joy and the rejoicing of my heart. Your word, it changed things for me. And he explains it a little bit better over here in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20, where he says, my child, pay attention. Watch it and hear it. My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't eat it physically, but listen to it and and watch it. Don't lose sight of them, verse 21 says. Let them penetrate deep into your heart. Not through your mouth, but through your eyes and your ears. That's the way things get into your heart. Not by going in your mouth, that gets into your tummy. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart. For they, the words of God, for they bring life to those who what? Find them. Are you seeking to find the scriptures that bring transformation to our life? Are are you seeking? Because if you seek, you'll find. Let them penetrate deep into your heart for they bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. We're talking about restoration. God's word brings restoration. It produces faith. And all things are possible to those who believe. All things. Even the restoration of a marriage is possible. Restoration of health. Restoration of of, uh, relationships. Restoration of finances. God specializes in restoration. And he can restore If you believe him, you spend time in his word, it brings about restoration. I'm I'm telling you, it does. Now, my oldest son, Judah, you know, he he took flying lessons as a young man. Always wanted to fly. So he took flying lessons, and and we helped him along that line. And uh, we, we bought him a flight simulator to practice on. And you can fly anywhere on a flight simulator. Even I can fly a flight simulator in the comfort of your home. <laughs> you can fly anywhere you want to go, you know, New York, California, you know, under the Golden Gate Bridge, you know, you can fly over the, the Grand Canyon. You can go out to sea. And I've been all those places flying. I flew there on a flight simulator, never left my house, you know. And the greatest thing about the flight simulator was that the game always restores you. Always. It restores you. 
No matter what happens, you can start all over again. When you crash, and you do crash on a flight simulator, you crash, and you burn, and you fall apart, and you go up too steep, and you stall, and then you crash, you know, and you splash into the ocean. But it always puts you back together, placing you on the runway, ready to take off again. Oh, that's phenomenal. And that's the way it is with God. He's faithful to forgive us. He's faithful to restore us when we've messed up and to get us back into the action again. He specializes in restoration, and it ain't a game. It's not simulating life. This is the real deal. That's what Almighty God does for us. There was a teenage boy. He was seriously injured in an automobile accident. And the doctors did all they could to repair the damages to the boy's body. But despite their fast medical knowledge, they were unable to completely restore his legs. So he was informed that he would eventually walk, but only with the aid of braces and crutches. And the young man was devastated. His whole life had revolved around sports with the likelihood of receiving an athletic scholarship in football. And now he had never run again, and he was not even sure if he even wanted to walk. The next year was not as easy. It wasn't an easy year for the boy or for his parents. Major decisions had to be made. Routines established and attitudes adjusted. Time, prayers, and patience helped to restore some of the boy's confidence in himself, but he still battled daily as he would fall back into that self-pity. And one evening, the boy's father approached him and he said, get dressed, I, I want us to go to church tonight and hear the guest speaker. And at first, the boy protested, but eventually he agreed at his dad's insistence. At the conclusion of the sermon, the preacher gave an altar call and the father told us, and I, I think we ought to go. The braces thumped loudly on the floor as they went down the aisle. Father and son knelt and prayed and then returned to their seat. Thump, thump, thump. And then turning to his father, the boy said, It's okay now, Dad. I still have the braces on my legs, but God has removed them from my mind. And I'm going to tell you, that's the key to accessing so many miracles of restoration that God wants to bring about in our life. Needs to restore the mind first. The scripture says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. He says, he removed them from my mind. Restored joy back to that boy. And he went on with his life and he used his handicap to advance the kingdom. I wonder if, if, if we need God to work a miracle in the air of our mind to help us to stop that stinking thinking and being negative about everything and beginning to be positive, remembering that healing happens you know, many different ways. Got one more little story I want to share with you. Once upon a time, 
two brothers who lived on adjoining farms, they fell into conflict. Have you ever been in conflict with anybody? Just raise your hand. Uh, okay, about 10? Okay. Well, your time's coming. You'll have opportunity before long, I'm sure. These two brothers, they lived on adjoining farms, and they fell into conflict. It was the first serious rift in 40 years of farming side by side. They shared their machinery. They traded labor and goods as they needed without a hitch. And then the long collaboration fell apart. It began with a small misunderstanding, and it grew into a major difference, and finally it exploded into an exchange of bitter words followed by weeks of silence. And one morning there was a knock at John's door. He opened it to find a man with a carpenter's toolbox. I'm looking for a few days' work, he said. Perhaps you would have a few small jobs here and there that I could help with. Could I help you, sir? Yes, said the older brother. I do have a job for you. Look across the creek at that farm over there. That's my brother. In fact, it's my younger brother. And last week, there was a beautiful meadow between us. And he recently took his bulldozer to the river levee. And now there is a creek running between us to divide us. Well, he may have done this in spite of me, but I'll do him one better. You see that pile of lumber over there by the barn? I want you to build me a fence, eight-foot fence, so I won't need to see his place or his face anymore. The carpenter said, I, I think I understand the situation. Show me the nails and the post hole digger, and I'll be able to do a job that pleases you. And the older brother had to go to town, so he helped the carpenter get the materials ready, and then he was off for the day. And the carpenter worked hard all day, measuring and sawing and nailing. And about sunset, when the farmer returned, the carpenter had just finished his job. And the farmer's eyes opened wide, and his jaw dropped, and there was no fence there at all. It was a bridge. A bridge that stretched from one side of the creek to the other, a fine piece of work, handrails and all. And the neighbor, his younger brother, was coming toward him with his hand outstretched. You are quite a fellow, brother, to build this bridge after all I've said and done to you. The two brothers stood at each end of the bridge, and then they met in the middle, taking each other's hand. And they turned to see the carpenter hoist his toolbox Onto his shoulder. Oh, no, no, wait. Stay a few days. I have a lot of other projects for you, uh, said the older brother. Well, I'd love to stay on, the carpenter said, but I have many more bridges to build. I want to challenge you to be a bridge builder. There's hostilities and different things that tries to divide us. But be a bridge builder with your actions and your words. Be a bridge builder. You be the first one that steps out and work at restoration of a friend or a family member, a husband or a wife, 
a father or a mother or a son or a daughter, be the first one to build a bridge, to bring restoration. That's what God will absolutely bless 100% when we use our time and our energy and our resources to build a bridge to reach somebody else. Remember this, God won't ask what kind of a car you drove, but he'll ask how many people you helped get to where they needed to go. God won't ask the square footage of your house, but he'll ask how many people you welcomed into your home. God won't ask about the clothes you had in your closet, but he'll ask how many you helped to clothe. God won't ask how many friends you had, but he'll ask how many people to whom you were a friend. God won't ask in what neighborhood you live, but he'll ask how you treated your neighbor. God won't ask about the color of your skin, but he'll ask about the content of your character. God won't ask why it took so long to seek salvation, but he'll lovingly take you and your, into your mansion in heaven and not to the gates of hell. I am telling you, God is into building bridges between individuals and we know what it's like to have a, a bulldozer plow a spot between us where we can't get to nobody no more. And we've got so much hurt and so much pain. But God specializes in helping you to put a bridge between you and someone else to bring you back together. And I'm going to tell you, he blesses, greatly blesses the man or the woman who takes the, initi the, the initiative to reach out and start that process of restoring so you can get back together. The devil wants you to just live the rest of your life in a demolition derby where you're just trying to destroy one another with your actions and your words. But you remember what we talked about a while ago that Jesus, he goes through the junkyards of life like I used to go through the junkyards looking for parts for my old 51 Ford pickup truck. But he goes through there looking for broken men and broken women, broken boys and girls to restore them. There's a bridge over the troubled waters that he has put so we can reach God. And he loves you and he cares about you and he's in the restoration business. That's what he does. I want you to bow your heads with me if you would. Papa God, we come before you in the name of your son Jesus. And we thank you that you love us so much. We are so thankful that Jesus paid such a high price to restore us in the right relationship with you and to restore us in relationships with others. We thank you. Help us, almighty God, to begin to think like Jesus did. That we are set free in our minds to think good thoughts and build bridges. Almighty God, I ask that you'd work in every man, every woman, every boy and girl in this room and those who are watching and joining us online and that you would work in us that heart of Christ, of restoration. Help us, Almighty God, to become a part of your miracle work and power. Fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit and empower us to follow the example of Jesus. 
Now, as our heads are bowed, I would ask you, if, if you know Christ already, would you reaffirm your faith in him? And maybe you don't know him. Here in this room or, or watching online, maybe you've never declared your faith in Christ, but he loves you. He's crazy about you. He's not mad or upset with you. He just wants to forgive you and give you a brand new life. He wants you to be in on this miraculous power of restoration and encouragement to others. So if that's you, I'd like you to join us and, and pray and declare your faith for the very first time as many would just reaffirm their faith in Christ. Would you pray with me right now? Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. That's why you sent your son Jesus. And we believe that he gave his life for us. And then he rose from the dead on the third day. We believe that Jesus is knocking at the door of our heart. And we choose to open that door. And welcome Jesus into our life. As our Savior. As our Lord. And as our soon coming King. Thank you for forgiving me from every wrong and cleansing me. Thank you, almighty God. I dedicate my life to you. Use me to work at restoration in other people's lives. In Jesus' name, amen.